You are now listening to the Online Course Podcast, the place where online course creators come to learn how to sell more of their online courses. Here's your host, Jono Petrohilos. Okay, hello everybody. Welcome to the Course Creator Community Podcast. I'm super excited because we've got a very special guest with us this week, all the way from the the other side of the, the world to me. A little bit about this person. She helps female entrepreneurs create and launch powerful and profitable online courses ASAP. She's studied marketing and business management at Clemson University. She's a Facebook group admin of the very popular Facebook group, the Successful Course Creators Facebook group. I recommend everyone join that group. I'll put the link down in the show notes. Uh, She's the founder and CEO at Capital Laura, the course creation coach. So without further ado, let me introduce the one and only Ms. Laura Taylor. Laura, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I am awesome. Hey, Laura, I uh, like to start all my podcasts off with a quote or mantra that inspires you or fires you up. Have you got one you could use for us? Yes. So this is something that I kind of live my life by. So if you can't do it, not afraid, you're going to have to do it afraid. So for me, what that means is there's a lot of things that go on in life that, you know, you can stop yourself from doing because you're afraid to do it. But instead of letting my fear stop me from doing things, I just do it afraid and come out on the other side and ask myself, how did that go? (laughs) Normally it was, it went fine. (laughs) And, you know, we can do it again. And each time it gets a little bit easier. Yes. No, love that. I'm a huge fan of that philosophy myself. I use a similar one. Um, What do I use? So I use uh, the uncomfortable side of it. I'm like, okay, what can I do? What can I do this week? That's going to make me uncomfortable. You know, and I find as soon as I do it, it's never as bad as what you thought it was anyway. You know, I used to be scared of public speaking and going live and all these sort of things. You do it once and I'm like, what the hell was I scared of? And then you just, you know, you keep leveling up there. So I, I love that. Um, now, Laura, you're a bit of an expert on on everything when it comes to the online course space, but I know one of your favorite things to talk about, because we had a little bit of a, a chat with some of our members before, the whole evergreen versus um, launch side of things. So are you happy if we talk about that? And that's where we, we, we focus today's podcast on. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely a topic that I get questions about a lot as well. Beautiful. Just before we get to that, I've obviously been following you for a while now. I gave you a little bit of an introduction, but if you could tell everyone listening just a little bit more about what it is you actually do there. Okay. So I help female entrepreneurs create courses as quickly as possible. My signature program, we do it in eight weeks or two months. We break it down to make sure that the process isn't stressful or overwhelming to make sure that you actually are creating a course in a reasonable time frame and actually creating a course that your students will love and actually want to buy. So a big thing that I also like to talk about is pre-selling your program so you can validate that offer and you can keep that fire underneath your butt and keep going and finish that course as well. It's something that I have, honestly, I could sit and talk about course creation and launching all day. (laughs) It's something that I do not get bored of. (laughs) Okay, well, well, let's do it. Maybe in that case, maybe let's start just a little bit on the course creation side of things, just for those listeners there. And then we'll dive into, all right, right. Once you've created it, do we consistently launch or do we keep it evergreen? All right, perfect. All right, I'm going to hand it over to you, Laura. Start where you want to start and um, yeah, take it away. 
Right, perfect. So the first thing that I always talk to my clients about is setting reasonable targets. That is always the first step that you need to do when you're doing anything in business or really anything in your life is make sure that you have a target that you can reasonably set. So for most, some people, you know, creating a course in three months might be more reasonable depending on what they have going on in the back end. But what I have found to be the best target for launching a course and getting it created from idea all the way to launching and being ready to start bringing students into your program is about two months. Mm -hmm. That allows you to break everything down kind of in a week by week basis and make sure that you know, you're doing everything, you're not dragging your feet and you're getting it done while also making sure that you're not overwhelming yourself or stressing yourself out. So what we normally do is we set those targets and then we look at what your target is and where we are. And we actually take a calendar and write out everything that you need to do step-by-step step on that calendar. So each day is accounted for. Also giving yourself breaks in between that because as we all know, we all need self-care as well. You don't want to be working yourself into the ground. So for course creation, my approach and what I'm and what my number one priority is, is making sure that you're getting it done and holding you accountable, but also making sure that it's a fun process as well. Because a lot of people will tell you that course creation is overwhelming, is really stressful. A lot of people will decide to do a course thinking it's going to be really easy, but then they get into the process and they realize like, oh crap, like there's a lot more that I need to do than I originally thought I needed to do. So I like to take a step back and do it step by step. Because I feel like once you have that concrete roadmap, you can you can hit your targets easier than you think you can. Yes, love it. Okay. And judging on what you said earlier, you're also a fan of the sell before you create side of things. Yes. How do we do that? So the one way that I tell tell my clients how to sell before they create is you know, at you've, you're going to hear this from all types of coaches, but you're going to do market research. So you're going to validate that offer first. And then what I like to do and what I tell my clients to do as well is that if they're on one of those calls, if they're on a sales call, even if they don't have the program done, you offer either an early bird special mm. or you offer, um, now I'm blanking on the word, but you offer them kind of a price point for early adapters, somebody that's going to join the program before it's actually created. And you kind of give them additional incentives to have them join you on earlier. But then, you know, you get some of that money and you can push through the rest of the course creation and nothing says your idea is valid. Like somebody purchasing it and saying like, yes, I would like to take this course, it's, which is great. It's the only way, right? I, exactly. I learned this back at my... <laughs> When I, my first business I ran was a, a personal fitness trainer, right? Mm -hmm. When I was doing my qualifications, I had like 20 friends. Oh, Jono, let us know once you, you finish your qualifications, we'll definitely train with you. Guess how many of those 20 ended up training with me? Oh, yes. no. Zero. Zero? zero? <laughs> oh, no. I learned from then just because someone says, oh, yeah, I'll definitely buy that until mm -hmm. they actually give you their credit card. Nothing yeah. is validated. So I love that. Exactly. Awesome. And that's what I like a lot about the, sorry to interrupt you, but no, no, you go. What, what I also like about the validating your offer and selling it beforehand is that it makes you realize too, 
that, you know, if they're not buying, you can also think about why are they not buying? If they mm -hmm. are, then you know that that idea is concrete and you can move on with it. And just because, you know, the program isn't perfect up front, you can always change it later. So validating that offer just lets you know that, yes, I can actually get students into my product without, you know, wasting tons of hours creating something that ultimately somebody's not going to buy, which I have seen also happen too. And that's one thing that breaks my, <laughs> breaks my heart the most is seeing how much effort somebody puts into something. And then the market just doesn't, it's not exactly what their market wants. Yes, no, I've I've been guilty of that myself. And, and we've got a few people live on the call that I'm sure have been guilty of that themselves as well. So it's a, a good reminder there. So all right, cool. So obviously, the first time we get this course together, we do it as a launch side of things, right? You, you either you, you pre sell it, you get your people in you, you drip it as you go. But then what do we do? after that, Laura? Is it better to have it as an evergreen side of things? Is it good to do a launch every 12 weeks or, or once a year or whatever it may be? What's what's your take there on the whole evergreen versus launch? So both of them are very powerful. What you have to ask yourself is what is the goal that I am trying to have? So am I trying to consistently have passive income with this program? Or is this going to be more of a signature program for myself? What are you putting into the program on the back end? Are you going to be doing one-on-one -on -one coaching? Are you going to be doing group coaching? Are you going to have a VIP Facebook group? Are you just going to be doing additional bonuses? Depending on what the course and what the goal is and what you want your students to get out of it, will answer, should I do open and closed, which is, you know, where you open for a set period of time, you're launching through that set period of time, and you're only enrolling students during those weeks. And then once it closes, it closes until you reopen it. Or does it make sense for it to be ongoing? Students can join the program whenever, and that would be evergreen. So my stance on that really is you have to ask yourself, what is your ideal client avatar, which I will probably say ICA a couple of times during this podcast as well. So what is your ICA looking for? How did they need to learn to get that transformation that you are trying to teach them? So for some, that evergreen program's going to make more sense because you want that passive side of income. They don't need constant support. But if you're doing, you know, if you're going to have group coaching or, you want to do a lot of one-on-ones, you have to think, what can I do reasonably on my side to make sure that I'm serving all of my clients in the most authentic and present way? Because what the biggest difference between a good course and a bad course is the support that you give your students. Mm. Let's take a quick break. If you want tips and strategies on how to start, grow, and monetize your business online, check out the Digital Revolution podcast with Eli Adams. We interview digital experts from around the world that share their personal stories. They talk about what they're currently working on and where they see the future going. But most importantly, they share tactics in their specific area of expertise with the hope of helping you improve your digital presence online. You can listen to the Digital Revolution podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, or simply click on the link in the show notes below. Awesome. All right, cool. So let me get my head around that and make sure I see where you're coming from. So simplified version, open closed is Actually, no, I'll ask you the question. We'll go from there. So what sort of, um, what are the advantages of the open closed system? What sort of people 
should uh, usually work better or what sort of course creators would usually be better better off doing an open closed sort of system what sort of programs or or course creators work best with that system so for open and close i would typically say these are for people that need programs that everybody is kind of doing everything at mm -hmm. one time so if you're doing a group coaching program along with it or group Q&A, that could be something that you do just that open and close. If you're going to be offering one-on-ones on the back end, just anything that is going to take up your time and you'll have a max amount of students that you can take in. Mm -hmm. So for Evergreen, you know, I've taken a few Evergreen courses where they did have coaching, but you had to complete the entire program before you got that one one-on-one -on -one session. And then they had like live Q and A in their VIP Facebook group every every week or every two weeks. Yes, love it. So I'll, I'll I agree hundred percent, and I'll share my my findings with that as well. So I do a bit of both, and actually it might even be I'll go a step further. So my first business, not an online course business, was a, a fitness boot camp, right? And I ran that as a twelve week challenge. Okay, so like an open closed, you could only sign up at the start, you do it for 12 weeks, then then go again. But but also the advantage there is I can get people to keep coming back, right? Because you want to always do fitness. And that worked really well because it was a group thing and there was a set start point. You know, everyone starts here on, on week one, mm -hmm. then week two, it gets a bit harder, week three it gets a bit harder, week four it gets a bit harder, week five gets a bit harder. That works really well there. If it wasn't tailored like that, and then it's Laura's first time and it's Robin's a hundredth time, like just doesn't work, right? And then same thing with the online course space. Most of my courses, my done for you courses are, are evergreen, where it's like, great, you know, you you buy it, you do it at your own pace, yada, yada, yada. And that works really well for the passive income side of things. I can sell it at any time. Um, I'll always have a bit of, every week I'll have a different special on. You know, hey, he's a special on this course. He's a special on this course, yada, yada, yada. Um, but I do the open closed if I do a coaching program. If it's mm -hmm. a, hey, it's a 12-week grow your, your boot camp program, we meet 11 a.m. every Thursday. Week one, we cover this. Week two, we cover this. Week three, we cover this. Week four, we cover this. Then I do it as an open-close sign of things. And for the listeners as well, um, my experience, and I'll ask your experience as well, Laura, I find you can actually charge a little bit more for that if there's group coaching. So say, for example, with, with my business, uh, my evergreen courses that don't have coaching are about 500 bucks. Right, mm -hmm. my um, open closed ones. I have it for two and a half, two thousand dollars, or two and a half thousand dollars, because there's the the group coaching there as well. So for people listening, you can sort of do both as well. It can be like you can have your your evergreen stuff that you can sell at any time, but you might do an open closed, and it's you get the course plus you get group coaching as well, and it's a, a little bit more from there. Would you agree with that? I would for sure. So like what I've experienced too is. When you offer that back-end support, then you can start kind of moving more your pro your coaching or excuse me your course program more into that you know high-ticket offer as opposed to something that's just like oh here's the course and here's like a few additional bonuses along with it. So the more value you're providing, the higher the price point can be for sure. Yes, agreed. What about the sales process, Laura? Is it going to be very different sales-wise? Because obviously, if it's an evergreen thing, you can sort of sell it however you want, right? Um, but if it's an open-close, maybe it's got to be a bit more planning. Or if it's higher ticket, maybe it's got to be a phone call or a webinar. What's your take on the sales process, open-close versus evergreen? So for evergreen, what I normally say is 
you know, it's going to be very similar to if, you know, you're trying to fill your coaching program, you know, you're just trying to get consistent clients into your coaching program every month, you're going to be promoting it in those Facebook groups, your Facebook group, email, in different social media platforms, and it's going to be more relaxed. And especially for people that are new to course creation and even new to business, the evergreen approach, because it's not so, you know, fast paced, it's not a sprint, it's more of a marathon, you're going to be consistently getting it. And that's where that, you know, that pass, you know, quote, unquote, passive income comes from is, is that you're just, you know, you're just consistently doing something with it, as opposed to that open and closed. Like I said before, that open and closed that launch, you're either going to be launching for two weeks, three weeks, if you're launching for four weeks, bless you, <laughs> that, that, that launching for four weeks is, is a lot. Um, but you're going to be visible more than you, than you already are. So if you're already going, you know, if you're already going live twice a week in your Facebook group, you're going to need to be going live almost four to five times a week. If you're posting in your Facebook group twice a day, you need to do that about five to six times a day. Everything that you're doing, you have to do more of it because there's only that limited amount of time. So for new people that are new into course creation and they're new and they're just new to kind of business in general, those launches tend to be very tiring. And if you mm. don't have your own community and your own audience of warm leads already, mm. you're going to be spending more time trying to get more people on the phone. And just to kind of touch on that webinar sort of topic, I love webinars I think that they're very helpful, but the biggest thing that you have to remember is that it all comes down to numbers when it comes to webinars. So if you can't fill that webinar, you're not going to see that many conversions into sales just because that the webinar is that numbers game of how many people you have come into that program for how many people will actually, actually buy. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll piggyback off that as well. My webinar is basically a sign when it comes to numbers. I mm -hmm. know that the people, whatever, let's just say I get a hundred people registered. I know that about 33% will actually attend. So I know mm -hmm. if I get a hundred people registered, I'm getting 33 people on that webinar. And I mm -hmm. know that I usually close 10% of, mm -hmm. of whatever the people are in there. So if there's 33 people in there, I'll probably make three sales. So from mm -hmm. there, I can sort of reverse engineer either way. But with those stats there, let's say I only got, um, 30 people registered, it may not even be worth me doing it because it's like, hold on, mm -hmm. I'm going to get 30 people registered. Only 10 people are going to come and then, you know, maybe zero of that sign. So I, I love that you've brought that. And I love how you've mentioned the the stressful side of things because it's it's a double-edged sword. And I guess the whole theme of this um, podcast is there's no right or wrong, right? They can both work mm -hmm. or, or not work. Um, but yes, when starting off, it's just so much less stressful with the evergreen method. That's how I started myself. I had a course. I'm like, I don't know if anyone's going to buy this, but hey, I've got this course and let me just slowly plug away, plug away, plug away, plug away. Okay, cool. Now I've got a bit of a following. Now, if I want to launch something, okay, it's easier to launch because I've got that following mm -hmm. there. So I think that's a good tip for the uh, people just starting off. Obviously, the first time you do it, it might be a big launch, you know, a beta, whatever it may be. Um, then after that, it may be easier just to have it on the evergreen for a while and then it gives you options there. So I, I love how you've brought that up. Um, okay, a couple questions here. Let's go to the marketing side, Laura. 
what's your favorite uh, marketing uh, strategy? Not so much the sales now. So not so much how do we sell the course? If someone's like, all right, hey, I'm, I'm pretty good at sales. I know if I can just get in front of the, the right people, I'm going to make sales, but I just don't have an audience. What's your, what's your best tip there or your best couple of tips for someone starting off? How can they grow their audience? So the biggest way that I, I have, you know, personally have grown my audience is utilized other people's audience, such as, mm. you know, getting in people's Facebook groups and just trying to get them for, you know, for an example, for myself, I'm trying to grow my own Facebook group and bring them into my own community. Give, so it, a, I'll give, be a, give it a plug, give it a plug again, Laura, in case anyone hasn't joined, what's the, what's the name of it? Oh yeah. Successful course creators. Please join me inside. I would love to have you <laughs> in the show notes as well. If you're listening on the podcast later, you'll find it in the show notes, but sorry, continue. Yeah. So for what I do is, you know, I post in other people's Facebook groups. I chat with people that I've chatted with previously to grow my own community. Cause you're going to hear this all the time, you know, from different coaches, from different people, but where you're going to make most of your sales is going to from be from that community. Because when you're posting in somebody else's Facebook group, so, you know, say, you know, say I posted in your Facebook group. Yes. I might get some leads from that, but I'm also talking to a group of cold leads. Mm -hmm. So when you have your own community, those people are going to be considered warm leads. So it's going to be easier for you to talk to them. You can actually build that relationship because at the end of the day, you know, kind of like where we're moving, I think, as a society, when it comes to purchasing, especially in the, you know, in the entrepreneurial space, when you're selling to entrepreneurs, they want to have that authentic relationship and they want to have built that trust before they hand over your credit card or their credit card. Bang on. And I'll piggyback off that. So a couple of things I've found, like if I post something in my community, I always get a heap of traction and comments and likes. I could post that exact same thing in someone else's community who's got a similar audience, but mm -hmm. people just don't don't interact with it because it's sort of like, who's this guy? Who's this guy? I think he is, you know, posting in, in this group here. There's just something about social media where mm -hmm. if it's your group, you'll get a heap of traction. If you post that exact same thing, even if it's good content, it just doesn't really work in the other person's Facebook group. There's, there's ways around it. You know, obviously you might not do a, a direct post trying to, you know, sell something. You might use it for networking. You reply to some comments in there. You ask some questions. You add some friends. There's, there's ways around it. But in terms of the selling, it's just so much easier to sell in your, your own Facebook group there. And I love um, how you've mentioned, great, you've got your Facebook group. Now let's leverage off other people to get there. Because I feel this is a prime example here, right? Uh, I run a podcast. Laura's got a Facebook group. Uh, I also run a VIP program and Laura is actually presenting this live to my VIP members here. There's, I think, five or six people in here at the moment. So just by Laura, and I obviously told the, the members beforehand, hey, let's support Laura. Let's join her Facebook group. So just by Laura doing this podcast here, she's got an extra four or five people today that have that have joined her, her Facebook group. And then who knows who's going to join later from the um uh, from listening to the podcast as well. So if anyone's listening to this and you're like, oh, I don't know how to you know, um, build my audience. Hey, go and reach out to someone that has a podcast. Go and reach out to someone that has a Facebook group. Off, uh, and there's a few things going on, but like the, the, the end result you want is to offer some sort of live training for them. You know, hey, do you need podcast guests? I'm happy to talk on this topic. Hey, you want me to do a, a live thing? I'm happy to talk on this topic. And those people will be uh, well, they should be um, happy for you to promote your group there because if you're giving them free content, like it's only fair that you know that you're allowed to to pitch on there as well. And it's just a different demographic. It'll go from like if you went in someone's Facebook group and just started pitching your group cold, 
the admin will probably ban you, right? But if you yeah. but if you yeah. go on their podcast and give them some free content or their live training, all of a sudden they're going to promote you. So it's um very good strategy there. So love that. Uh, flip side of things then, Laura, let's say the sales, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say now someone's like, all right, cool. Hey, I've, I've, you know, my community is going well. I've got hundreds uh, or a hundred or over a hundred, couple hundred people in there. But now how do I actually make money? Do I just make a post in the Facebook group and say, buy this thing? Or do I run a webinar or how many people do I need in that webinar to make it successful? Or do I do phone calls or emails or text messages or Facebook bots? What's the what's your favorite um, selling strategy if you already have an, an audience? So you've already got a Facebook group, probably similar number on your email list as well. How do we actually sell our thing? So I'm a big fan of jumping on the phone and chatting with people. Yeah, yeah. For me, you know, and especially for course creators and you're teaching, you're actually teaching some form of transformation. You know, you're a coach, you're a mindset coach. Um, you know, we have a divorce coach in here and, and, you know, just other, you know, business coaches as well, you know, that you want to make sure that you're making that connection with them. So for me, I have had the best success on jumping on the phone with somebody, them like, you know, actually meeting me and seeing my personality. And then that's when we know if we actually click, are they going to be able to actually learn something from me? Do we both enjoy each other's company? Because especially when you're selling a course, someone buys from you, they're going to be listening to you talk for, you know, at least a couple hours (laughs) because you're teaching them something. So for me and what I've seen the best success in closing has been for calls. Um, I have had one client who did all of her sales in the DMs, in Instagram and on Facebook, and she did amazing. (laughs) So, you know, kind of like, kind of, you know, I think the theme, like you said today is kind of, there's no right or wrong, but I think what is most aligned with you and your business and your personality, I think is going to be the best way for you to sell. But for me, that would be, you know, phone calls, for some people that might be jumping on a webinar for an hour. Somebody else might be the DMs. So I think it just really depends on what you're most comfortable with and how your people receive you the best. Yes. I know that's kind of like that broad answer. <laughs> no, <laughs> but... I, I, well, I, I agree hundred percent. No, and I'll share my findings here. So for me, the phone is by far the easiest without mm-hmm. doubt. And the reason is it's just so personal. Like let's Mm -hmm. compare, let's compare phone, webinar and email as an example, right? So um, it's going to be the hardest to sell via email because I'm just sending one bulk email that's got to be exactly the same thing to every single person on that list. And yes, you know, obviously if you've got a big list, your copy is good. You've got um, some trust. Okay. Yeah. You're going to make sales. Um, But if you don't have all of that, it's super hard to sell off email at the start. You know, if you've got 100 people on your list, they heard about you last week and you're not that good at copywriting, it's going to be pretty hard to sell via email, right? Let's well, not, 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 here it goes. Oh, sorry, go. Sorry, sorry. No, but, I was gonna say, but that's kind of the thing that goes back to that numbers game. Yeah. You know, it depends on how many numbers you actually have. So what I've found, especially, you know, with email is that, you know, you might only have about 20 to 30% of your list actually opening it. And that's considered good numbers. Yeah. <laughs> 20, mean, 20 is, a good, 20 is a good for me. Yeah. If I, if I hit 20%, that's a good email open rate. Right. It was just like, wow, like awesome. Like I got, I got 20% <laughs> of my email list, but what I, but then, you know, 
in contrast, when you're trying to book calls and get sales off of, you know, Facebook and Instagram, you know, those other um, algorithm based platforms is that you're kind of just playing that game of, you know, maybe only seven to 10% of people that follow you are actually seeing their, your content on their timeline. So mm-hmm. the, that's the fun thing about business and, you know, yeah. trying to get sales and calls is that, is that numbers game for 100%. sure. And I'll go, and that's why I think phone works better. Cause let's even go along that. So you've got an email like, okay, it's, it's very hard to portray that. Say you run a webinar for an hour, someone mm-hmm. that attends your webinar and listens to you speak for an hour is going to be, um, uh, they're more bought in than someone mm-hmm. that just got an email. Now, if you're running that webinar live, even better still, because you can sort of tailor the content. You ask a few questions at the start. What do people want? What are your objections? Handle some objections at the end as well. You know, it's a bit more personal there. So you're probably going to make more sales via webinar than you did via email. Say you've got 100 people on your email list. Maybe no one's going to buy from a landing page. But of those 100 people on your email list, maybe 10 of them attend a webinar and one of them buys from the webinar. It's still just 100 people. But because you've sold in a different way, a more personal way, that person's more likely to buy it. Let's go to the phone still. It's even more personal still because instead of having 10 people trying to sell to all 10 people at once, I can give Laura all of my attention. I can, I can tailor my sales pitch for exactly what she wants. And phone sales is a, is a skill and it's been around for, for years. You know, you can read books on it. There's trainings on it. Um, but either way, in terms of like making sales, it is by far the easiest. Without doubt, if you're if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, you know, I, I'm not making sales. Why? What's the best way to make sales? Phone sales is by far the best. The only reason you wouldn't do it, or there's a couple of reasons, but firstly, it's the most time intensive, right? Like mm-hmm. I can send an email to 10,000 people in five minutes, right? I can't get on the phone with 10,000 people in, in, I can't, I physically can't do it, right? Um, but if you're just starting off, like phone is by far, and you're not making any sales, phone is by far the best. Once you've mastered sales uh, by phone and you've run out of time, you're like, man, there's all these leads. I know I can close them, but I don't have time. Then maybe you move to a webinar and be like, all right, cool. You know, now I can sell by webinar. It's more leverage. Then you might run out of time there as well. Okay, cool. Now I'm just going to send via email. So that's my take on it. I think phone is by far the best, especially when starting off. And then also I feel on the phone, like you get better because you're going to speak to someone. And if you speak to a hundred people, like you're going to get an idea of what their problems are. So it's hard to, to run a webinar for a hundred people. If you haven't spoken to a hundred people individually on the phone, but if you've spoken to a hundred people individually on the phone, the webinars are going to be easier Then your emails are going to be easier. Your copy is going to be easier. Yada, yada, yada. So agree there. Um, Laura, there's just a couple of questions. I, I like to finish all these podcasts off with. The first one is in regards to course creation software. Now, everyone's got their own favorites, says Kajabi people, Zenla people, Teachable people. Uh, I'm curious to whether you have a favorite platform that you like to use. And if so, what is it? If not, all good. So I actually have two, if I can share both of them. So yeah. I am going to jump on that Kajabi train. I mm-hmm. do. I love Kajabi. You, you know, before I started doing the coaching aspect, I did, I helped with building out the courses in the tech. So and I in Kajabi was one of the platforms that I use. And I just love that it's so expansive in its capabilities. And especially for newer entrepreneurs and you know, people that are looking for more of that all-in-one where they need that email marketing software still and they need that website. And then they need to host their products somewhere. 
that's a great, and you know, it even has webinars on there, which mm. I think is awesome. You can do, you know, you can do like one of those evergreen webinars that, you know, people just constantly can jump on, or you can do a live. So I like that. The only downside to that is the price point. Um, you know, a lot of people know that it starts off at $200. That's not always the most user-friendly, but that's kind of, you know, going back to what we talked about. If we can pre-sell that course before you even have invested into a, into a software, there you go. <laughs> um, the second one would have to be teachable just because, mm. you know, that is that it's just the platform. It is pretty affordable. I would say, I think it starts off at like maybe 39 yeah. a month. Yeah. Um, but what I like most about it is that it does have a ton of capabilities inside of it. Um, and what I think the, my most favorite thing about it is that you can have a video and then underneath it, you can have text and then you can embed mm. um, like the PowerPoint slides or some form of workbook for them to actually be able to see. Um, and I also worked inside of Teachable when I did the tech creation. And just on those two ends, they are, to, at least to me, were the most user-friendly when it came to their customer service and being able to kind of figure it out just by, you know, being on the platform and just seeing where things are. Um, and I kind of just liked how they're, you know, how they're formatted out when you actually take a course in them. Yes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, I agree too. So uh, I've never really got on the Kajabi train, but it's, it's an interesting one, Kajabi. Like now knowing what I know, I wish I just started with Kajabi because it mm -hmm. has everything there. Like at the moment with my fitness education online business, I'm currently using um, ClickFunnels, ActiveCampaign, Teachable and Sam Cart. So I'm using four platforms for the one program where Kajabi could do it all. Mm -hmm. And I, I think the, the, the plan on Kajabi is 500 bucks or something for the, the ultimate one that would mm -hmm. still be cheaper than what I'm paying for all those different yeah. platforms. And it would be integrated. And I need Zapier as well, because I need to zap all those things together. I'm paying a couple hundred yeah. bucks a month on, on Zapier. So Knowing what I know now, I I wish I started off on, on Kajabi. I can't change now because it's just going to be too much um, effort. Yeah, too much kind of yeah. <laughs> but then I get the other side as well where it's like, hold on, if I'm making $0, am I going to spend, you know, $500 mm -hmm. a month straight away on software when I can get another one for free? So, you know, it's it's that tough choice there. Um, and then, yeah, teachable. Are you, oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Um, just kind of talking about Kajabi a little bit more, sorry to interrupt you, but there is something that is that I have personally used that when I created my first course in social media is that I used what it's called Podia. Oh, it is yes. very similar to Kajabi. So it doesn't have all of the same features, but it is at all in one. You can have, they call it a storefront, but it, it can be formatted like a website. Um, you can do your email marketing, your affiliates on there. And you can host a limited amount of products as on Kajabi, there's a limit on the amount of products, depending on what plan you are. Mm. But that start, that starts off at $39 a month, which really is not that bad. So, mm. you know, for people that do need that and you know, it has great integration Kajabi into Podia, you know, if you want to move from Podia to Kajabi, the integration is actually pretty easy. I've, I've done that before and, you know, migrated people over, but it's like a great, it's a great stepping stone, especially for course creators that are just starting out, especially in business that need that all in one kind of, kind of platform. But, you know, when they're ready to invest in something that's a little bit more then they can move over into Kajabi and it's not as difficult because they're both that all in one platform. Yes. Agree. And then yeah, teachable. I'm a huge fan of teachable for the, 
course side of things. Mm-hmm. I don't, it's hard. I, I would never just sell off Teachable because I don't, it's just, it's not as easy to create the landing pages and that sort of stuff yeah. as a, you know, <laughs> it's so, yeah, it sucks. I hate, I tried it and I'm like, no, nah, this isn't going to work. So, but yeah, for the actual course side of things, it's, it's good there. Uh, and then my final question for you, Laura, is in regards to mentors. So you're obviously a mentor for plenty of people out there. I'm curious to hear who your mentors have been. And if you could ask this, in, if you could answer this in a few different ways, a paid mentor, so someone who you've paid money to, to do their course or coaching or whatever it may be, uh, someone that you haven't paid money to, but you follow them on social media or you've seen them in real life and you, you follow their strategies, uh, and then a book or two that you recommend every course creator that wants to sell more courses should read. What can you tell okay. us there? So mentors, paid, unpaid, book. So for mentors paid, my business coach that I have is Maria Wentz and I love her. So I actually started my business back in May, like established and started actually making money in May. And and she's the reason why she helped me figure out that one offer, how to find my audience, how to, you know, how to talk to my audience. And, you know, I still work with her today and, you know, she has been fantastic for that, for unpaid, you know, I can't name just one specific person. I couldn't say just because I follow so many people that, you know, I've taken, I've taken a lot of tips from, and I've, and I've been very fortunate to have networked with some amazing women that have just provided me with just free information just to help me along, you know, vice versa. We kind of just are there for each other to kind of, to the point where I would almost call them, you know, as friends, as like, you know, my online network of friends. Um, so, you know, I guess if I had to choose, if I had to choose one person who I do admire, she's also, she also helps people with courses, but that would be Amy Porterfield. I'm mm. not sure if you've heard of her, but yes. she, hold on, hold on. Did you say not sure if I've heard of Amy Porterfield? You know, <laughs> I've ran into two people that have not heard of hers. So. <laughs> no, no, fair enough. <laughs> but she's, she's awesome. <laughs> Awesome. I've never spoken to her, but I love, I follow her on all of her social media and she, in the way that she just kind of carries herself is also great as well. Yes. Agree. And then book that you recommend every course creator should read to sell more courses. Sell more courses. So I'm trying to think I have, I've read so many of them. So this is going to be more for more of, you know, of the, of the women based for this, but it's the audacity to be queen. So it's kind of, it's kind of a mindset book, but it talks about how you, like how we as women can sell and, you know, be as powerful as anybody else and own up to that. Cause what, you know, what happens to a lot of women is that we're more of a, we're more like, oh, like, can I do this? And this book is just like, hell yes, you can do this, go out and do it right now. <laughs> and that lit up a huge fire in my butt when I read that. <laughs> Awesome. Love it. Well, hey, Laura, that's pretty much all I wanted to get through today. Is there anything I should have asked you, but didn't? Or is there anything you want to finish this off with? So the one thing I did want to backtrack a little bit. So when we were talking about, you know, the marketing side of things, and for people that don't have an audience. So if you don't have an audience, and you know, you're you pick, say you say, say you picked Facebook, you want to make sure that you're following that value, value, value offer mm. kind of format. So when you're in Facebook groups, especially 
if you're in somebody that, you know, potentially is a competitor with you, but their audience is very, this is the same and who you're trying to attract. You want to be giving value, 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 and then post your offer because mm-hmm. you're not just going to go to a bank, take out money that you haven't deposited in. So think of adding value as you putting money into that bank, that Facebook group, and then you can go and withdraw a little bit after you provided an additional value. That was really the, la- the what I wanted to say on the marketing aspect. No, I love it. And, and I think that also pulls into place from the sales side of things, even if it's your own group, mm-hmm. if you're just trying to sell every day, like you got to give some value, you know, like yeah. either heap of value and then little sale at the end, heap of value, mm-hmm. little sale at the end or exactly. value post, value post, value post, value post. Hey, hard sell on the Friday or whatever it may be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time, Laura. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your friends and don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Check out the show notes for more free resources on how to sell more of your online courses. 